I'm Brendan Yurick, the CEO of Electric Royalties. Uh, we are a royalty company focused exclusively on those clean energy metals uh, really required for the world to move forward into a clean energy future. Uh, we've got a portfolio of 22 royalties uh, to date. Two of them are producing, uh, and all of our uh, royalties are in good jurisdictions, uh, primarily targeting those deposits in North America, Europe, and Australia uh, that could fit the bill to be a domestic source supply of these metals uh, moving forward. Um, over 400 million has been raised in the, the last you know two three years here since we've acquired them. That's all going to our assets, develop them, developing them at no cost to us. And uh, it should be an exciting year. Uh, we've got a lot of catalysts coming across the board, and uh, we're going to be actively looking to uh, acquire more producing royalties. Uh, Brandon, good to see you. Um, just want to catch up with you. So it's been a kind of um, tumultuous uh, environment out there for equities, uh, but for royalty companies, it's more of a waiting game, isn't it, at the moment? And, I, and my question to you is, what do you do in periods like this? Shouldn't you be out like buying stuff? Yeah, well, it's, it's tough because our valuations have been kicked in the teeth a little bit as well. Um, and so that makes it obviously harder to raise money creatively. But uh, there's some tremendous opportunities out there. And I think there's a big difference with the royalty company because, you know, we have no cost on these projects. We have no holding costs. Our GNA is very, very low, especially at our company. Um, and so, you know, we can just kind of wait this out. And, and if we were to do absolutely nothing, our portfolio is going to start generating significant cash flow in the coming years. Uh, but we see this really as an opportunity to go out and uh, pick up royalties that otherwise might not be available. Um, when equity prices are depressed like this, uh, royalties are definitely a better financing option. You know, if you look at our, our last deals, a producing royalty, our last producing royalty deal in January, that cost us a million dollars uh, to get done. Uh, we have an option upcoming to, to double that royalty interest in the next few months. And uh, we have a facility with our largest shareholder uh, for three and a half million for uh, further acquisitions. So. You know, we definitely have some some capital to, to pull a couple of deals off um, outside of us being creative like like we have in the past, you know, bringing in a group like Sprott to co-invest alongside of us. Um, you know, so there's ways that we can get it done as well, but definitely a tremendous opportunity right now. Right. And in terms of the, the bulk of where you and you've got two, two producers at, at the moment, they're, they're not they're not big producers, but, you know, let, let's not go there. It, it, the bulk of the royalties that you have, um, they're. Have you, can you kind of break it down for us in terms of where the near-term revenues are going to be? Because I, I get the conversations that we've had in the past and you go, well, actually, royalty companies don't have to bear those costs. You've said it at the beginning. Those conversations don't have to bear the costs there. We're sitting there as a sort of you know, net benefit to us is, 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 is meaningful when it comes. But surely in an environment like this, some of the development companies are being are slower to get into production. Have, have you experienced, can experience delays to your forecasts? Do you think as a result of that? Yeah, I think there's there's been a couple of delays, uh, you know, definitely. But I think those are, um, as always, probably company specific. That being said, uh, generally across our portfolio, um, almost all of our assets have had steady work ongoing and development ongoing. Um, obviously, the path to production is, you know, can be a long one. Uh, but most of the assets that we've targeted are, you know, we're aiming for kind of three to five years from production. Um, we have been when we were first getting started. And so we're seeing that happen. You know, our first royalty that we bought three years ago, our OCHA lithium royalty, um, that's set to come into production um, and should be in production here over the next 12 months. It'll be the largest producing lithium mine in Canada um, there at the North American Lithium Hub. And so that'll be our, our third producing royalty. That's that's one we bought a couple of years ago. We haven't put any money into it. They've put and raised, I think it's over $250 million. Um, and so, uh, there's an incredible growth in value there. 
Uh, we've also got a couple of Graphite royalties, Graphmata, uh, which is basically out care and maintenance, uh, shut down because of COVID restrictions in the country. Um, and they've been working to upgrade the resource, looking to actually bring that back in at double the production capacity. So that's really a, a question of project financing, but that could happen, you know, um, as soon as that is sorted out. Uh, we also have uh, Basic Creek, another Graphite royalty. Um, they had a feasibility study on this, you know, a number of years ago. Northern Graphite's now the operator, and they are uh, becoming the third largest graphite producer outside of China. They've signed a joint venture to uh, do a 200,000 ton per year battery plant um, over in eastern Canada. And it just happens to be right next to the Basic Creek project, which they've said they want to make their flagship asset. Um, and so, you know, when we initially looked at that, the feasibility study was about 28,000 tons a year. And now they're talking about 100,000 tons per year, uh, potentially. So, um, you know, that would probably be the next one in our portfolio to come in. Uh, but we have a number of different projects, um, you know, whether it's our Zonia Copper project in Arizona, Armand Saussure, Iron Ore, Vanadium project uh, in, in Eastern Canada. Um, you know, we have, we have a number of different ones uh, that are, are fast tracking to production. Seymour Lake, another great one. You know, they've raised uh, over 70 million in the last year, uh, partnered with Lithium Americas to basically fast track Seymour Lake to production. Um, and those have uh, those lithium projects have had a, a much shorter development timeline than you've seen on uh, some of the base metal side. So there's a number of ones that are kind of in that three to five year range um, that, that'll come in after that. But uh, we're expecting our own portfolio. We could get to five within the next, you know, kind of two, three years here. And then it really jumps up. Uh, but we're not going to be sitting on our hands. Our goal now, we have a portfolio. We have exposure to all of our target commodities. We felt like that was really important to do. So we've you know, we've had to do a little bit of pain to, to get some of those, um, but we've done that and now it's really cash flow for us. So the next uh, number of deals that we have in our, our pipeline are all going to be cash flow and royalty deals uh, till, you know, we, we're trying to get to about 5 million a year of cash flow, um, you know, over the next uh, year or two years. Right. Okay. And I, I hear what you're saying, but um, I guess one of the big questions people are asking is around um, these development companies, right? If they're loaded up with cash and they can advance things through to through the you know economic study phases they can advance things through the you know all this all the kind of engineering and you know esg type stuff that people have been talking about ad nauseum for for a while now but when it comes to the kind of capex component there's a few things going on here one as you mentioned inflation covert supply chain issues have been a big thing over the last two years but some of those prices have not come back down they have not settled back down to 2020 prices as a kind of new level, um, therefore new sets of margins that these companies are going to have to stomach if they're going to go ahead and their funders are going to have to stomach going ahead. How, how do royalty companies like yourself view, reassess the risk to those companies, reassess the, um, the near-term revenue component in, in, in that environment now? Because it's a, it's a slightly new reality, it feels like. You know, so have you yeah, well, you know, it's, uh, to be honest, if we had more money and, uh, you know, kind of unlimited capacity or a better valuation, there's a, a hell of an opportunity out there because the way, you know, we look at it is we're getting already the best assets uh, in our target jurisdiction. So you even look at our sleep tat tin asset in the U.S. It's only one of two assets, the USGS in their own words, say might be potentially economically viable in the United States. So on an average development timeline of 15 years, it might be seven years from production, but it'll be the first group, you know, to enter production. So uh, when you look at that, and and these deposits take millions of years of form, they are they're only found where they're found. You know, you look at our manganese asset in North America, 
You know, it's really one of a very few assets in North America. We believe the the best manganese asset for the EV space in North America. Um, and so, you know, when you look at a, a project like that and you see it's only one, there's no other projects or deposits that can be magically created, uh, you know, to kind of fill that gap. And um, and so I would buy them all. You know, I would buy all the best, all the ones that are kind of, you know, uh, within that timeline to production if we could. Um, you know, so that that's definitely something that there's an opportunity out there. Like I said, right now we're focused on, you know, cash flowing assets. Um, and that's really just about the point in time where we are as a company. We don't want to have to keep diluting shareholders as we raise capital. Um, and so getting cash flow positive so that we don't have to do that is, is, is key for us. But there's an incredible larger opportunity, which we have been taking advantage of, you know, for the last three years, investing in those types of deals. Um, so we're, our portfolio is going to, you know, unlock a lot of that value for us as we move forward. From a, from a CapEx standpoint and, and from an operating cost, yeah, a lot of these groups that are looking at these projects, their operating costs have gone up significantly. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it was 20, 30% even in, in some cases. Um, and that's both on the operating and capital cost side. For us, it's, it's kind of great because we're gross revenue royalty. We have no unit cost. Um, they produ produce a pound of copper. They sell it at three bucks. We get, you know, 1% of that. If our royalty is 1%, there's no cost to that. Um, and again, we don't have to put in any of the capital costs, so we're not on the hook for that. How I think a lot of those projects are ultimately going to get done is you will see more end user participation, um, you know, from the groups that really do need these metals. And, uh, I think the prices that they, they give will reflect what it takes to actually produce them. Um, and so that, that's what I'm expecting. I think we're also expecting a higher pricing environment as we move forward. You, you said something, sorry, I've got to cut. Thank you for that. I, I, you said something interesting at the beginning there, which I was like, I couldn't stop thinking about. Was it, you saying like, um, in response to my question about, you know, the 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 capex component is going to restrict a lot of companies being able to actually make the decision to move forward or get funded to be able to move forward because the margins have decreased. They be, they be, go from marginal projects to suboptimal projects. Are you saying that royalty companies like yourselves, because you're very much focused on the ability of the um, the, the companies to get into revenue, you're able to vet the projects that you do put your money into better than others. I mean, what, what, what are you saying there? Yeah, well, I would say it's different for this space. And we're, we're the only royalty company uh, focused exclusively on all these metals. You know, we did the first graphite royalty financing ever done, second and third, you know, 10 royalty financings ever done. Um, and so we are kind of at the forefront of this industry. But I think unlike gold, where, you know, there's a lot of gold deposits everywhere. You know, you could throw a rock and you're going to hit one in Canada, uh, maybe, you know, a thousand gold deposits. But there's only one, you know, manganese asset really being developed in the EV space. You know, there are already three years of metallurgy into it. Um, and so there's, uh, it, it's a, it's much rare, I would say. You know, there's only a few of those manganese deposits globally. No, I get that. I get it. But, but, but Brenda, my, my question is not, you know, how many projects are there of certain metals? It, the pro my question is around your assuredness about the investments that you've made because it's predicated on get them getting production. Otherwise, they're just you're throwing money uh, out the door and hoping it sticks. Why Why are you, the projects you picked more likely to succeed than other battery metal projects that you haven't picked? Because some of it's going to be you haven't, you haven't um, been able to invest because it's, it's competitive. Other people have beaten you to it. It's too expensive. Like whatever. There's a bunch of reasons you don't invest in other other things. Doesn't mean they won't get into production. But why are yours so special, and why do you feel confident that they will generate revenue at some point in the future? 
Yeah. So I think generally uh, we've, we've done a few things to, to kind of de-risk that and, and take away some of that risk. One would be uh, the fact that we are a royalty company. So we're uh, diversified. diversified. Um, you know, there are no ongoing holding costs. So, you know, once we've made that, there's nothing else really that can, can go wrong with it other than they don't make it into production. Um, I think we've done a number of things in terms of targeting these assets, generally best in class. You know, if we're getting best in class, that's usually a good sign. And, and it's really easy to compare the compare them. You know, we've been looking at all these assets now for three years. I've got 10 years of experience in project financing analysts before that. Um, and so I do think we have a bit of an edge in that definitely from new investors coming into the space. I mean, it's very complicated invest in mining. There's probably a hundred things that we do look at. Uh, I think we've done a number of things as well in terms of staying away from large CapEx projects. You know, generally we've, we've been picking projects where the CapEx is reasonable, you know, something that a junior could actually put in production. You know, if there wasn't a, an end user or a partner that, that comes to the table, you don't have to wait for that. Um, I think we've done a good job in terms of the jurisdictions, right? I think a lot of times, uh, you know, permitting, it can be an issue. So deciding not only to be in Canada, but to not be in BC, <laughs> you know, or uh, to be in, in, in say Quebec. Um, and to, you know, kind of reduce the risk profile from a jurisdiction perspective. Uh, but like I said, there's a hundred different factors that you look at this. Um, I think we, we have a grading system, you know, uh, definitely, but, uh, comparing these projects to what else is out there and then ranking those based on where we think, uh, which ones actually will make it to production. So it's a ranking system, really, you know, you, you can't really tell if one project will make it if you don't know every other project that's out there. Um, and so, but once you do, um, you know, you can look at them and say, well, this project's, you know, twice as good as this project in a, in a, you know, in a, in a normal world, uh, this project's probably going to get the green light, you know, ahead. Um, and so in that way, um, I think by comparing them and, uh, might be one of the only groups out there that's been looking at these projects for, for the last like, you know, four years. Um, I think we do have a bit of an edge. Okay. And, but do you, do you are you concerned about things like, you know, the increasing number of Oh, oh, so the increasing amounts of capex required to get these things into production because it's like the metals prices have moved and they're, they're bounced around you know in, in 2022 haven't really done too much in 2023 they're still not at the sorts of levels that people would expect them to be given supply demand fundamentals for well pick a metal right pick a metal um are you at all concerned about the more the wider market the funders i'm talking with you know the, the people who kind of stump up i'm talking about industry i'm talking um about the, you know the big the, the big banks coming up with the money for these companies to get into production because us in this space we think it's obvious but it's not, just not happening at pace well it's so it's interesting because when i first got into uh the business uh, that very first year basically most of the banks uh the investment banks had their mining department shut down after that first year because they were basically lending out money to, you know, these projects, types of projects, hundred million checks each, you know, doing seven, $800 million junior sponsored financings. And they all went bad, <laughs> you know, by, by and large, a lot of them went bad. So those investment bank units were basically wiped out, you know, about 10 years ago. And I think a lot of the commercial banking and, and lending has been uh, hesitant to come back into the space. I think when you look at like the nickel space, is a great example, there are a lot of very large capex, uh, you know, big projects there in Canada. Um, you know, you look at Dumont. I think the capex is about six billion. I I don't know if those projects are going to make it into production anytime soon. I think it's going to be a much longer uh, bet for them. I think if you look at what we did, we've gone into two underground, you know, development projects. Capexes are going to be relatively reasonable. There's some infrastructure already there. You know, I think capex will be around 100 million. 
versus six billion. And so, you know, either permitting will be much easier because they have a smaller footprint. So when nickel prices go, I think those are the types of projects that will make it first. You're going to need to see a sustained much higher nickel price before banks are coming back in um, and lending to projects like that. You know, especially when you look at the, the kind of sways in nickel price, uh, you know, you look at the LME exchange and they're kind of debacle. I mean, if you're talking about a project that's going to need seven, eight years to pay off the debt, probably longer there, um, you know, if they, if they have some pre-construction, but it's going to be a while, I think, before you see banks uh, come back and lend that kind of money. The other thing is on a project that big, a lot more can go wrong. You know, a 10% over cost is, you know, 600 million versus uh, six or, you know, 60. So uh, I do think it's going to be a while before we, before we see that. Even the major miners, I can't remember the last $6 billion project they put into production. Um, but uh, I, there's very few of them, and, and that's because a lot of them didn't go very well. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a well, mining is a huge destroyer of, of value when it goes wrong, and, and it mostly does. And that's, that's why we ask these questions, right? Um, so, in, and, and again, just in the same, same sort of context, for you, you, you reference, you say you're, you're not getting the value that you, you, you deserve. Um, and we've also talked in the past about if you never spend another dime on any of your, uh, any of these royalties that you got, um, you know, you'd, you'd still be making a lot. I mean, still be making a lot of money, but that's not a realistic option for you in your current form, right? You know, because it would be quite easy for someone to come in at these levels and say, just take you out into a private vehicle. It might be easy for them to come and do some M&A in the space, having those that needs it. Um, but what, what are your kind of either defense mechanisms to ensure that that doesn't happen? Or if you do want to do it, what's your preferred option available to you? Or do you think, just give it some time, guys. The market's depressed. Everyone's depressed. Just give it some time and we'll get there. I mean, what, what have you got available to you in terms of options? Yeah, so I definitely think there are groups out there that would uh, that are looking at us and and would like to you know maybe just take us over because our valuation is where it is. Uh, I think from a defense standpoint, it's it's fairly easy. You know, between myself and my family who own around fourteen percent of the company, and our largest shareholders, you know, very much uh, in line. Uh, he's nineteen point nine percent. We also have the initial group that we did our first deal with, Lobex, that has around eight percent. So. You know, just between those three groups, we've got, you know, kind of 40, 40% there, um, 45% up there. So uh, we've got a very tight shareholding. No group would be able to come in and do a hostile takeover. Uh, so that's that's nice, you know, to know. There are opportunities we would maybe look at that in that space. Um, but right now, our valuation, we feel, is is much, much lower than anybody that we try and do a deal with. Um, and so from a, you know, corporate M&A perspective, we're not really looking down that route. I think our goal is really... Our deal flow is is probably the best in the junior royalty space. We've got a lot of deal flow. Uh, we have that three and a half million uh, facility with our larger shareholder. It's on very very friendly terms, and so we we have some money to go get another producing royalty or two, um, and that should make us cash flow positive ahead of our you know even our Oche lithium royalty or or graphite royalties coming in production, you know over the next year or two, um, and so that's really the goal. I mean our GNA is very low, right? You know if we if we had a million and a half in revenue, we're basically covered off. So. Then we have, you know, kind of, kind of afford to wait and, and have some of these other uh, royalties kind of kick in, you know, three, four or five years down the road, two years down the road. Um, and so that's that's kind of the game plan right now. I think in terms of um, our funding options, definitely we're looking for a group, a private equity group or a strategic investor who values us a little bit more appropriately, um, you know, than what we're seeing at, at these prices. Okay. Okay. 
And then um, with regards to, okay, so I, I hear what you're saying there. And I, it's kind of difficult, even if you were doing stuff, you couldn't say anything. I, pre I do appreciate that. With regards to this three and a half million loan facility that you've got, you know, you've drawn down a half a million recently. Is that for acquisitions? Is that for paying down debt? Is that for um, keeping the lights on? What, what's it? What's it for? That's for acquisitions. So uh, that three and a half million is uh, left on a, a five million uh, facility. We don't pay any money when the money is undrawn. So that three and a half million is it's sitting there. There's no cost to it sitting there. Uh, there's no interest payments on the term of the loan, which is three years. It's all capitalized uh, to the end of the loan. Three years, we felt like this is the appropriate amount of time where that's a different world for us. Uh, and so, you know, and it's our largest shareholder. It's also convertible uh, into shares at a much higher share price. So that'd be at 50 cents a share uh, versus where we're trading at today. Um, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a very friendly loan. We just actually improved the terms on that when we increased it to uh, 5 million. And that'll be used for acquisitions. Uh, we have two royalty options coming up on our producing royalties where we can actually double those interests this year. So we already have immediate producing royalty options that we could execute. Uh, but we're also going to be looking to uh, add another royalty into the mix for sure. But you want you want revenue producing royalties now. That would be the right mix to add to the portfolio. Yes. And we want diversified revenues. I think what's unique about us is that our revenues right away out of the gate are going to be, you know, if we go buy another uh, royalty Oche comes in production. Our royalty uh, cash flows are going to be spread out fairly evenly, um, and that's going to be the case, you know, throughout our portfolio as those also come into production, uh, which I think is unique. You know, we're not all in on any one asset. I think you know most of our assets are about equal weighting, you know, to our our success. Um, and so even if you know a project or two has has a stumbles, which quite frankly, it'd be foolish not to expect, you know, some kind of uh, ratio for that. Uh, but but we'll be okay. Um, and so we've we've managed to stay diversified as we grow. And uh, our goal right now would be to, to keep that going and stay diversified uh, on our cash flows as well. Right. And will you be giving guidance as to your to revenue? I mean, do you, because I, you, 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 it's been a difficult market. I get it. But, you know, you've also made some statements about when you thought you'd be um, cash flowing, et cetera, in the past. And that's, you know, potentially a rob to your own back sometimes. So how, are you... How confident do you feel about being able to give guidance to the market in whatever shape or shape form that may be, whether it be cash flow or other things? Yeah, so uh, it definitely a, a bit of a challenge because our first royalty was a joint venture with Sprott. And so um, there's some kind of restrictions in terms of how we report that revenue and cash flow because of the JB. Um, and then we just got our first check, obviously, from our, our new to 10 royalty. So that'd be our second one. Uh, I think what we're doing now in our new deals that we're putting together is essentially we're trying to add in minimum payments guaranteed for the first couple of years until things get off the ground. So they kind of uh, get started. And so in that way, uh, you know, and I haven't really seen too much of that for what we're doing, but that's something that, you know, you can add it into the agreement when you're creating a new deal, it's all negotiable. And uh, because we do create new royalties, that's something that we're planning on doing. Um, and in that way, we definitely would be able to give you a very, you know, very solid guy. And it's at least on the minimum side, um, moving forward, uh, because it is, it's tough to predict, you know, sometimes when these are going to come in, uh, you know, exactly when they're going to be paying you, um, because you're not the operator, you know, you're not in control. So that'd be the, the, the one downside of, you don't have to put up any operating costs, capital costs or do any, you know, pay GNA to, to operate the mine. But, uh, at the end of the day, you know, they are deciding, you know, how they operate and how they mine it. Okay, and finally, just one, one last one, if you don't mind. 
if, if we got anything to look forward to this year, difficult market, have you got plans? Yes. <laughs> yes. No, definitely. I mean, uh, I think I think investors are going to like what we do next. Um, I, like I said, we just closed our second nickel deal. It was a development deal. I don't think the market really appreciated it. We just felt there's so few of these. We want to get some more exposure to nickel. And it, it was a very, very cheap deal for us. So we, we, we did it. Uh, but I think investors will be pleased to hear that everything really moving forward here over the next 12 months, uh, we're envisioning is going to be cash flow related. Um, and we're going to be doing, you know, kind of unique structures to, to get those deals done. So definitely I wouldn't sleep on us um, because, you know, we're going to we're going to be aiming to hit something out of the park here over the next uh, six, 12 months.